I'm Samantha Stone, and last time on Stone Cold Mysteries. <laughs> no offense, honey, but we don't need you to get us drinks. We own this silly little place. Well, I own it. Well, then, I'll pay for my drink and bring all the drinks over. I'll be quick. He's a snake. Wait, where's my little mint toothpick I like in my drink, honey? Ugh, right, I just can't forget that. There, enjoy your drink. I hope you choke. <coughs> darling, are you okay, darling? Then... <coughs> <coughs> We arrived here at Tankard's around 7 p.m., but tonight we were greeted by one of Ben's old colleagues who just happened to bump into us after we arrived. She brought us our drinks. I went to the bathroom at this time to freshen up. When I came back, she left because my husband had promptly shooed her away. I sat down to finally have my drink when he started coughing. That's when he died! He doesn't like to drink fast. He always complains toward the end that his drink lost its flavor due to the ice melting and watering down the drink. She didn't even let the ice melt into the drink. I smell almonds inside the colleague's cup as well, Stone. They were both poisoned. Now that's interesting. I smell almonds in the wife's cup as well. All three contain cyanide. My heavens! A death in my bar! I've got to go. I'll be in the back. He stole my bar from me and take ridiculous amounts of money away from my hard-earned work. I smelled them all, and only a few of them had traces of that almond smell, which was stronger than the rest. Fine! I poisoned some of the toothpicks with cyanide. I did it because the man never loved me! He needed to pay! That doesn't explain why you decided to only poison a few and leave the rest to chance. I did that because he was human. I didn't want to murder him outright. I wanted to leave it up to fate. If I pulled out a poison toothpick, then it was because fate finally wanted him dead. I think her name was Faye or something. In fact, he mentioned to me that she was an ex. Were you ever romantically involved with Mr. Benson? No, and I don't see how that has anything to do with this investigation. Look through the garbage cans for a woman's accessory. Maybe a bag or a scarf. Whatever a woman might carry around or accessorize with. Look at that! We found the accessory! Here you are, Stone! I don't even need to take it, Shepard. We've been going in circles this whole time, but now I've just solved this murder. Let's go now the killer, shall we? Now we return to Samantha Stone, well, me, proclaiming that I have solved the murder of Ven Benson, which I have. You know who the killer is, but you didn't even look in this purse. And after all the trouble we went through to find this accessory. I don't need to look in there, Shepard, because I already know what's in there. Or what was in there. Ice. That and maybe a few bits of dry ice. Ice? What would ice be in there? Shepard looks in the bag. Although you are right, there's a few little pieces of ice left in here. That's probably dry ice, since it's meant to last and keep things quite cold, like the murder weapon. The murder weapon? What kind of murder weapon needs to be kept cold? Ice cubes. Ice cubes filled with cyanide, to be exact. Can you explain? Yes, but we might as well seek an audience with Karen Fay. She is the murderer. Stone and Shepard walk over to Karen Fay. You two again. What is it now? Well, I suppose you're under arrest for the murder of Van Benson. And the attempted murder of Lorraine Benson. What? Are you insane? I didn't kill him. I believe you did. And this is how. I believe that you did know the times when Benson came into this bar for drinks because he was the man who you were having an affair with. I suppose he promised you a lot of things and then blew you off or dumped you for his wife so you planned revenge on the night he came into this bar to receive his money. You waited until he came into the bar and you came up to them to ask them for some of their time in exchange for you bringing over their drinks. Then you let the bartender make all the drinks, which were conveniently all on the rocks, which is where your ingenious plan comes into play. You took the drinks to the secluded area, probably a trash bin. You dropped your murder weapon into each of the drinks. And what were these murder weapons? 
cyanide-filled ice cubes. You quickly brought the soon-to-be-poisoned drinks over to the couple's table, and you immediately began drinking your drink with haste while Mrs. Benson was in the bathroom, and Mr. Benson sipped his drink. After you finished your drink, making sure to drink it fast enough so the ice wouldn't melt, you went to get another beer as Mrs. Benson came back from the bathroom. Since Mr. Benson drank his drink slowly, the ice cubes had time to melt, sending the toxin through the drink, causing that drink to be his last. The only reason Mrs. Benson stayed alive was because she went to the bathroom and left her drink untouched. That is how you killed Mr. Benson. That's preposterous! You have no proof! What if it was Mrs. Benson who killed him? Or the bartender? Stone, if I may. Certainly. That's not possible. The bartender knew exactly which cups would be given to the Bensons since you all had different drinks and the cups were all different cups. He could have poisoned them, but he had no reason to poison you. Mrs. Benson could have done it, but she confessed to poisoning toothpicks in an attempt to kill her husband and still had no reason to poison your cup to kill you. If that's not enough, we found this purse in the trash bin in the secluded area of the bar, which is very wet and has a few pieces of dry ice in it. So this all points back to you. Well said, Shepard. Miss Faye, I believe you have no leg to stand on. I had to keep those ice cubes frozen somehow, or none of this would have worked. Although... I thought poisoning my cup would push you away from me, but before you had to take me in, how did you know about the affair? I guessed it when Mrs. Benson said that her husband called you an ex-girlfriend, and you said you were not romantically involved with him at all. You really should never mess with a married man. You don't understand. He promised me that he would divorce her and we would live happily together. But when it never happened, I kept hounding him about it, and then he came to me one day saying that he was done with me. He found some other wench that would satisfy him without strings attached. That's when he had to die. But why the wife? She kept me from my happily ever after. And now you will never have one. I hope you are happy. The policemen take her away. Aren't you going with them to do whatever you do with these murders, Shepard? No, I have some unfinished business I need to attend to here. Huh? What's that? Let's talk about it over coffee, shall we? It's the thought that counts though, right? (laughs) (laughs) While I light up your child's heart on Christmas Day, light up theirs and your own, with my own sort of called Santa's fizzy cooler. With the help of my elves, Mrs. Claude's love, and a little Christmas spirit, this magical soda makes you feel what I feel every time I give presents to kids all over the world. Joy. I always love drinking Santa's fizzy cola, and you will too. Rudolph did. So go out and buy yourself Santa's fizzy cola. With Christmas spirit, we're the best. Santa's fizzy cola is above the rest. You'll be impressed. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me Been an awful good girl, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you dear, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Think of all 
the fun I've missed Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed Next year I could be just as good If you check off my Christmas list Santa baby, I want a yacht And really that's not a lot Been an angel all year, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa honey, one little thing I really need the deed to a platinum mine, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie, and fill my stocking with a duplex and checks. Sign your X on the line, Santa cutie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Come and trim my Christmas tree with some decorations bought at Tiffany. I really do believe in you. Believe in me Santa baby Forgot to mention One little thing A ring I don't mean on the phone Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Hurry down the chimney tonight Tonight. I'm in love with a perfect guy. He's divine in every way. I wish there was some perfect gift to show him. I love him this Christmas day. Then you need to get yourself a mistletoe from your local store. What a better way to show your love than with a kiss. Mistletoes. WCUG Cougar Radio presents the third episode of the new radio drama Stone Cold Mysteries. Please pay attention for this show is interactive. It is afternoon in the bustling streets of London, October 7th, 1890. We focus in with the hasty sounds of footsteps as a young child runs with a purpose towards the off-work investigator, Samantha Stone. She seems to be casually walking around some stores for a little shopping spree. He smiles as he sees her, but there's an ominous and dark look to his face. It seems that this upsetting look is the look of death, but who has died this time and is it a murder? Let's tune in and find out. Sammy! Sammy! 
Oh, hey, what was that? What did I tell you about calling me by my first name? You hit me! You were rude! But that's your name! My name is Samantha, not Sammy. And I regret telling you that. You are to call me Miss Stone. You need to learn some manners. Then can I call you Mother? Just tell me what you wanted to tell me, Charles, before I kill you. It's Charlie! I hate Charles, and I came to tell you that there's been a murder. A real, live murder. Listen, kid. Just because you see a drunken bum pass out for a few hours because he's completely jagged and intoxicates himself to unconsciousness doesn't mean he's a dead man. Remember last time? This isn't like last time. Last time was a fluke and he seriously looked dead. But this time it's real. Just come to the local steel factory and see for yourself. Why were you at the factory alone? Or at all for that matter? You know it's very dangerous. Well, I was kicking rocks and one of them went flying towards the factory. I heard a clang so I followed it. When I got there I saw this girl looking very upset and pale. I thought I hit her. So I went up to apologize, but she started rambling about how she saw a man die. So seeing a man die constitutes as a murder? People die all the time, Charlie, especially at those blasted factories. She said she thought she saw someone push him. She's just a kid, like you, Charlie. Traumatizing events can make your brain see very funny things, even things that aren't really there. Remember the drunken bum? Come on, Sammy, please. It won't hurt to check, huh? I got an eyewitness this time. Please, 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 please. Charles starts pulling at Stone's arms and clothes. Please, 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 please. All right, all right, all right. Just let go of me and stop calling me Sammy. You need to stop hanging around the police and I when we are working. You see crime and murders at every turn. Don't you? No, you cheeky little monkey. And I also don't go sticking my nose into overly dangerous places looking for a job. Those factories make a living snatching up defenseless homeless kids, you know. Come on now, you stick your nose everywhere, Sammy. I'm just following suit. Look here, boy. I'm checking this thing out for you, so I suggest you bite your tongue and stop snide remarks like that. (sighs) This is solely for you. But don't expect anything to come out of it. Like I said, people die in factories all the time. Samantha Stone pulls Charles's ear towards her. Ow! And ow, it's ow, dangerous. Ow, ow. It's too loud. God, okay, okay. I won't go near it anymore. Let go, let go, let go. Samantha Stone lets go of Charles, and Charles rubs his ear. Let's see a change in you, okay? Come on now, spit spot. Take me to this alleged crime scene. Aye, Sammy, follow me. Samantha Stone and Charles arrive to the factory. Police Chief Carter Shepard is there with a bunch of police officers swarming the facility. The two approach Shepard. Stone, what are you doing here? I don't remember phoning you. And that's because you didn't, so relax that brain of yours. I was actually here to check out the scene because it was believed to be a murder. (laughs) And who is this person? Charles steps out from behind Stone. Hello, officer, sir. This half-pipe? I didn't know you had a kid, Stone. I didn't even know you were romantically involved. This kid looks to be about ten, but I've known you for fifteen years. Relax, Shepard. I have neither a kid nor a lover in any of my years. This one here tried to pickpocket me about a month ago, and now he's indebted to me for the foreseeable future. I'm sure that just means she's a glorified mother. She's making me learn manners. You're lucky she didn't send you to the authorities to get your hands locked up for attempted thievery, which would have definitely happened if I'd have caught you. Oh, stop it, Shepard. You're scaring the boy. Besides, I know you're kinder than that, but don't you worry about punishment. I gave him a good lashing on the rear, and he's been running errands for me as well. You can say all you want about being tough on him and such, but until this half-pint gets some shoes on, he hasn't been punished enough. What? His shoes? Ah, you terrible little monster! 
What are people gonna think when you go running around with my name on your lips when you're barefoot? Samantha grabs and pinches his cheek. You said you'd smarten up, blast it! Now you go and get your bloody shoes on before I box your ears in! Shoes hurt! I hate them! I'm not playing around, you little ruffian. Go get your shoes before there's another bloody murder! Charles runs off for her home. <laughs> I forgot how cutting your words can be. Seems like you've got your hands full there. Don't remind me. But you really can't say another murder if there wasn't even a first. I'll be the judge of that, Shepard. Just take me to see the crime scene and the body. Just be glad that you came here as soon as you did. We haven't got around to moving the body yet. Right this way, please. Shepard shows Stone to the crime scene and the body. The body is face down in a bunch of ropes, which seems to have strangled the man and has also suspended him a foot off the ground. The suspension is full body, though, not just by the neck. But the rope around the neck is pulled rather tightly around it. From the looks of it, he fell from the third rise where he was stationed for his work. By backing up into the railing, losing his footing and flipping over it, he was strangled by these ropes that he fell into. We found out who the man was from his boss there. This man was Tim Ford and he was newly promoted. And a wealthy promotion at that. Well, what a way to die. To fall into these set of ropes and get strangled is insane. I think it would have been better to die quickly by hitting the ground instead of a slower, more painful death that asphyxiation brings. It could have taken anywhere between five to ten minutes of agonizing gasp for breath. Quite true. Death by strangulation must be terrible. Take me to the third rise, please. I want to take a look at the alleged crime scene. So far, the case does seem quite cut and dry, but I might as well check all the details. Very well, Stone. Shepard escorts Stone to the third rise. Here we are, Stone. The third rise. Tim Ford's former workplace. So this is his workplace, huh? I suppose he made sure that this contraption was running smoothly and doing what it was designed to do. But I must ask, is this his only workplace? I ask because of the comment you made about it being his formal working area. He worked here mainly, but he worked everywhere around the factory according to the factory boss. He knew this place backwards and forwards, apparently, doing all kinds of jobs which inevitably gave him his promotion. And I guess over there, at the railing, is where poor Ford fell overboard. But the edge is at least seven feet away from this workstation, and the whole thing is attached to the wall on the left side. So if someone were to go overboard, they'd either have to go over the railing towards the back or towards the right side. Right. Speaking of that, though, if he knew this place backwards and forwards, why would he have fallen over something at such a long distance away from where we are standing at his workplace? Especially if this workstation doesn't cause one to move. That is rather strange. Wait, are you saying that this is a case of suicide? No, no. Uh, The death is all wrong for that. If it was a suicide, he could have hung himself from a noose if he was going for death by asphyxiation. Or he could have jumped a bit to the left where none of the ropes were if he wanted a surefire death. A blind leap seems to be far-fetched and stupid, even for someone who believes that there's nothing left to live for. A blind leap is far too chancy for someone who wants a sure death, and jumping into suspended and slack ropes is not the best way to do it. It's that, and that's not even addressing the biggest reason that trumps the suicide theory. And that would be? That man just got promoted, and a very good promotion at that. If the man worked hard enough to get that promotion, then why would he throw it all away by committing suicide? Why would he be depressed? Then he just backed up and fell off the rise? Either way, it was an accident or his fault, and neither warrants an investigation. Maybe he just wasn't paying attention. Shepard turns and starts to walk down the stairs. I suppose you're right. Maybe this wasn't a... Shepard stops and turns around. Stone, what's the matter? Why did you cut yourself off? Because I just realized something. How tall do you think this man was? 
He looked a little on the short side for a grown man. I'd say about 5'4", maybe 5'5". Five five. But how was that an observation? So about my height then? Just about. But what does that have to do with anything? Look at the railings. When we were so hung up on the idea that this was an accidental death because he just fell overboard, especially since a child was the one to suggest otherwise, we missed an important detail. I can't believe I missed such a detail, of all people. And what detail would that be? The height of the railings. They come up to about my chest, which would be the same for the late Mr. Ford. And you can't just fall over a railing of this height as you've been describing, unless you decided to jump. But I wouldn't call that falling over, would you? No, I wouldn't. How do you figure that he couldn't have fallen? Well, to fall off a high-rise by accident, one of two things must be true. There is no railing, so you would just fall off of it as you backed up enough. Or the railings were low enough that you could just trip over it and stumble while your center of gravity fails, sending you to your death. Neither is true in this case. These railings are designed to stop a person from accidentally falling over. If Tim Ford did back up into the railing, as superficial evidence would suggest, all that would happen is that the top of the railing would hit his back and he would walk away from the railing unscathed. There is no way that the railing could cause him to trip and lean over the railing to cause his death, because the center of gravity is located below the top of the railing. With that being said, the deceased would have had to jump over the rails, committing suicide, or... Or he would have had to have been shoved over it. Curses. So this is a murder. Precisely. Blast it! I was hoping to have this crime scene wrapped up quickly. Ah, don't be upset, Shepard. With me working this case, you'll have this murder wrapped up in no time. <laughs> working? Oh no. I never hired you, Stone. The half-pint did. <laughs> You're a riot, Shepard. Always making the jokes. <laughs> you almost got me there. Shepard stares at her. Wait. You're serious. Dead serious, Stone. Uh, excuse the term. <laughs> you can work on it all you want, which I suspect you will. But I never hired you. You came here all by yourself, so don't expect payment. You insufferable, terrible man! That's stupid! You always hire me for murders, and you can solve them without me anyways. I only call you for the murders I realize I can't solve. For this one, I'm pretty sure all I need to do is find the guy who had a problem with him, and murder solved. When has any murder ever been that easy? Whenever you aren't here. New information always seems to pop up with you. Blast it, Shepard! You're always so thick-headed! And you can never put down a case. Free help is always the best help. Jeez! You know what? I'll cut you a deal. If you think you're so great and you don't need help, then we should have a little battle of the wits. Whoever finds the murderer first, wins. So that's what's at stake? Bragging rights? No. If I win, you hire me and pay me my usual rate and you'll hire me for every little murder for the next month. If you win, then I'll buy you dinner. All that you want. For a month, I love to eat. And I feel that's a right amount of compensation for a death magnet like yourself. <sighs> Deal. They shake hands and they descend the stairs from the third rise. I hope you have quite a few shillings saved up, Stone. This case is already starting to give me an appetite. <laughs> and I hope you like having me in your hair for the next month. Charles runs up to the two in his boots. There, my feet are pinched. Happy Sammy. Samantha Stone grabs his ear. Oh, oh, God, sorry. Miss Stone, Miss Stone. Much better. And it'll do you some good to not get so familiar with me like that. Also, you'll be pleased to know that your witness was right. It was a murder. Murder is pleasing. It is when I'm getting paid. Don't think you have it in the bag, Stone. 
I can't be written off, not yet anyways. My brain works twice as well when a competition is underway. Yes, and then you'll decide to turn it off once you stuff your face. I think it's time I have a closer look at the body, huh Charlie? Yeah, sure. I'll come with. And you might as well bring an officer with you. You'll need as much help as you can get. Well, says the woman who is utilizing the brains of a silly little child. Hey! Shepard Stone and Charles make it down the stairs into the body. Can we lower the stiff? I think he's had enough time hanging around. <sighs> yes. Officers, lower the body. Officers come over and lower the body from the ropes. As they move it, the mouth opens and an item drops out with a splat. Ew! Oh, that's... that's... ew! Oh, That's ew. the man's tongue. He must have bit it off when he was strangled. But that usually only happens after you are strangled by a person, not when you are strangled by falling into ropes. What's that supposed to mean? That he was killed before he was thrown overboard. If he has some ligature marks on his neck, like those of a hand, it'll confirm this. Samantha comes over and lifts up Ford's hand. It looks like you're right, Stone. The ligature marks show two handprints and scratches on the neck like fingernail scratches, but it also shows marks on the ropes, and I believe his neck is broken. That's no surprise. He did fall from the third rise. A stop like that on a neck is sure to break it. Hey, his eyes are bloodshot. Open and bloodshot eyes are also a sign of strangulation, Charlie. Samantha comes over and lifts up Ford's hand. If the handprints and scratches weren't enough, this man fought back. How do you figure? Well, the fact that there's blood underneath his right-hand fingernails and on his right hand means that he fought back before he fell off the mortal coil, which means... Which means that whoever strangled him must have some sort of wound. I say we look for scratches on the face. That's the most likely place that he would lash out. You're pretty eager to give me any information you find. Did you forget that this is a competition? There's no use in withholding information. The most important thing is to find the killer. Besides, I always find the bad guy, and winning is so much sweeter when your opponent has all the resources you do. That's really cocky, Stone. Eh, I consider myself to be more brazen than cocky. Cocky would mean that I don't have the smarts and the prowess to back up my claims, which I do. It's not that hard in this crowd. Did you just insult me? Shepard, do you think the ropes he was hanging from are way too slack? I know that hauling from that height might loosen the ropes a bit, but his body had descended with the ropes all the way to the floor, just before he could touch it, even though the ropes are tied up at the first rise. I'm not sure. I don't know much about what purpose rope serves in a factory, but it is strange that it would be so slack. Most times, ropes keep up something or tie down something. It's never good to be too slack. I had a feeling. I wonder who I could ask about this. Hey! What's that in his pocket? You really need to stop sticking your nose around these dead bodies. This isn't a place to be playing around. Stone bends down to check the pockets of Ford. Seems to be his promotional slip. His pay doubled, actually. And he got his first pay as a promoted employee, according to the money in his pocket. Unfortunately, he didn't get to use any of it. He just got promoted yesterday, when he got off of work at 6. So that means we have less than a 24-hour interval to when he was last seen alive and when he was killed today. I think we should go talk to the boss of the factory now. See if we can get a clue to when his hours are and what the promotion was for. Good thinking. Come along now, Charlie. I'm coming. The three exit the crime scene and make their way to the office of the boss. Get your new secret scent from Daisy's Secret Scents. For this holiday season, gingerbread kisses. You'll be the most pleasant holiday scent of the year from Daisy's Secret Scents.
yon virgin mother and child holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly the boss of the factory, Miss Victoria Vale. Excuse me, just because you're a police officer doesn't mean you can just come barging in here like you own the place. Don't you have some common courtesy? We're inducting an investigation, ma'am. And that means you can just drop all manners and... Wait, an investigation? What are you talking about, officer? I thought you said that this was just accidental and you'd have everything cleared up in an hour. Now you're telling me that this is an investigation? What is going on? Well, Miss Bell, the answer to that is murder. The man who died was killed in cold blood. I'm sorry, I don't believe we've met. Although you might know my name, I don't know yours. My name is Miss Samantha Stone, private investigator. Oh, I've heard of you. You figured out the murder of Ben Benson and arrested his wife. I'm ecstatic over the loss of both of our competitors. Jackie is starting to take over the west side. You're ecstatic about the man being murdered? The business is very cutthroat, Miss Stone. But I suppose you're right. Death isn't something to be necessarily glad about, although it did help my job. Because you're the boss here? No, no. He told you that, didn't he? The police chief? <laughs> no, I'm just the overseer of the factory. I don't run anything. I just carry out the requests and duties. I'm assigned by the real boss of the business. The man you referred to as Jackie? Would that be Jack Stanford? The owner of all the factories on the west side of London? And soon to be owner of all factories on the east side, since our competition was put out of business. We aren't here to gab about corporations and their financial successes. We came here to talk about the man who was murdered in the factory that you oversee. Yeah. Did you promote Tim Ford yesterday? What are you doing in here, you little scrap rat? Get back to work coal shoveling. 
No, no, this boy doesn't work here. He's with me. Yeah, I'm a mean lady. I don't have to work. Now you know that's a lie, Charlie. I put you to hard labor at home. Yeah, but at least I'm not working in a murder house. Does the boy have to be here, Stone? No. How about you go talk to your witness, Charlie? See what you can find out. She should be shoveling coal. Okay. Charles runs out of the office. What a rude and terrible little boy. He referred to me as lady. Are you not teaching your son manners? He's not her son, just a little boy who's indebted to her for the foreseeable future. Right, Stone? It's the truth, Shepard. Although Charlie did have a good question. Did you promote Tim Ford the other day before he left? Yes, I did. Mr. Ford has been doing an enormous amount of work for the past few months, and I thought he should be commended for it. He worked at several parts in the factory all day where other employees are supposed to work, doing their jobs for them when they can't be bothered to. He's been quite a hard worker for the last month, which is actually quite peculiar. Why? What's peculiar about a man working hard and doing his job? The fact that for the past two years he did what he needed to do to scrape by. He did his work and only his work and didn't do anything else. I didn't pay him much for that, so maybe he stepped up his work so that he could be paid a wage to live on. So he did other people's work as well as his own? That's correct. He did a bunch of work for some of the employees here, so the employees he helped slacked on their work. I actually fired one of them last week because they were getting too rough around the other employees and seriously slacked off on his job. So who are the other employees that got help from Mr. Ford? They should be working at their stations since Mr. Ford isn't here anymore to pick up their slack. If they aren't working, send them my way, won't you? We aren't your messenger boys. Or your personal assistants. But if we notice something, I might consider sending them over. Then be gone. I have work to do. Just a minute. Was there anyone else who was in the market for a promotion? Well, everyone was shopping, but only three had enough to earn it. Gabriel Ivanov, Esther Rhodes, and Edgar Hamill. They were the three who worked the hardest, but Mr. Ford beat them to the promotion, especially since he did a lot of their work. You can find Hamill on the first rise, Ivanov on the second rise, and Rhodes on the fourth. Thank you, ma'am. Much obliged. But hurry up, factories never stand still. I propose that we go up to each rise to talk to each person who could have received a promotion, one by one. You don't really grasp the meaning of catching the killer first, do you? If you want to go tromping off by yourself, be my guest. But I think if we go together, we will get it done that much faster. I just think that you're using this as an excuse to stay close to me. If you want to keep any sense that you have left, I suggest you don't say things that will make me slap you. But you're blushing. That's right, Shepard. You give me feelings. Like murder. Oh, come on, Stone. You know I'm only joking. Yeah, yeah. How do you think the little chap is doing? Hopefully not getting himself into trouble, but I believe in him. He's a good kid. Whether or not he's a good kid doesn't say anything about how he's going to get answers or results from his kid witness. Kids are never good witnesses. Especially in the sense that the child could be traumatized, both by the factory labor and the man falling to his death. Well, we shouldn't worry too much about it. He's your kid, rather, your apprentice, so I'm sure he'll show up sometime with results. I can't believe Sammy letting me help her this time. This is so amazing. Now, I need to find my witness. They said she was somewhere by the coal shoveling part of the factory. Charles looks around the ground floor of the factory and then starts to see some coal. Oh, she must be over there. Charles runs over. All of a sudden, a hand comes out and grabs him. Yikes! Charlie, you did come back. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. You didn't scare me. I'm a man. I'm tough. <laughs> okay, but what are you doing here without your adult friend? It's not safe here, especially not for us. It's okay, Bonnie. Sammy is here, and she wouldn't let anything happen to me. I mean, she's practically my mom. But you said I was going to have to talk to her, so she can get my statement? Yeah, that's the right word, but she's busy chasing suspects, so she had me help her by talking to you. I'm glad I get to talk to you, Charlie. I'm not fond of adults. I know, but Sammy is good. Maybe. That's okay. I just want to ask questions about what you saw so I can go back and tell Sammy, like maybe who the murderer was and how he murdered the fella. I don't like thinking about it, Charlie. It makes me scared. Maybe the killer would come back for me if I say too much. I'm here, Bonnie. I'm not going to let some scum hurt you. I promise you'll be okay. I'll protect you. Okay. I believe you. So? Right. Well, I saw two people on the third rise talking rather mean. They were talking about money or something. I think because I heard one of them say something about money. Then the guy by the railing started backing up and he started getting closer. Then the other guy started grabbing the guy by the railing around his neck. The guy by the railing scratched the other guy's face and I could tell because I saw blood on his left hand after it went limp. Then he stopped moving completely. Then the other guy lifted him over the railing and he fell to his death. It's okay, Bonnie. It's over now. But you are sure it was two men talking. And when was this? Not positive, but it looked like it. I mean, the person seemed a little bit tall and mean-looking compared to the other guy. But I can't be sure. And this happened before everyone arrived to work. I wanted to be there early this time because I was hurt for arriving late yesterday. And that's when I heard the mean voices. I followed them into the factory. And that's when I saw everything. After it was done... I ran away from the factory until it was time for work, because I was scared that he saw me. That's why I don't know who the mean person was. Is that all? Well, I think so. I don't know what else to ask anyway. I'll be back after I give this information to Sammy. Charles runs off. Happy, happy holidays from the best coffee makers in town, Joe's Coffee. We have the perfect holiday coffee for holiday feels and enjoyment. Holiday cheers from Joe's Coffee. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer 
really know how to fly And so I'm offering this sample phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to boys is too strong for kids to pull open and too heavy duty for the shoes to be just slipped right off the foot. I'm sad to say we must buy back the Velcro products that we made here at Fastener Boys. Hopefully it will be resolved. Thank you from Fastener Boys. Stone and Shepard arrived to Edgar Hamill's workplace on the first rise. Hamill? Edgar Hamill? Hey, that's me. What do you folks want, huh? We just want to ask a few questions concerning the death here in the factory that turned out to be a murder. You mean old Tim Ford, right? Yes. How'd you know? Oh, word gets around the workplace faster than a branded bull. Especially after the major workplace enemy gets knocked off. We was all like, oh, thank goodness. It's about time his iron grip was relinquished. And now I think his promotion's up for grabs. Well, I hope it is. You people were glad that he was killed? Of course. That man stole work from us folks left and right. We all hated him, but couldn't do nothing about it. Are you referring to the iron grip you mentioned before? That's right. Can you explain this for us? Well, sure thing. Ford was able to get that promotion for one major reason. One, he had blackmailed all important people, or people that was of use to him in this darn factory. With that, he made everyone allow him to take some of their hours without having him lift a lousy finger. We did the work, and that blasted man took the credit. I used to be on the good graces with the overseer, but... Because of him, all she thinks of me is a slacker. She said you were in line for the promotion. That I was. I was the best worker on the first rise. We deal with all the technical stuff in the factory like making sure the ropes are rigged right and the iron is melting the correct way. Stuff like that. So me being the best worker, I was in for the promotion. Then Ford got his dirt on me and I was knocked down a lot of pegs because he stole my work. Sounds like you hated the guy. You're the bright one, aren't you? Of course I did. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out, but most of everyone hated him. The weasel got a lot of money off his scams. I still don't know how he was able to figure out that I was... Uh, nothing. Never mind. You said you dealt with the ropes and how they were rigged right. Does that mean you could tell us if some of the ropes were rigged right or not? Of course. What did you have in mind? 
Well, if you could just come over to the railing over there, you could see the ropes in question. They all walk over. They peer over the edge. Uh-oh, this is all messed up. The ropes are tied way too close to the ends, making the ropes too slack. I have to fix this right away. It will cause a lot of troubles for the factory. You can't move that. It's a crime scene. Do you want to be liable for all the damage this causes? You can't move a crime scene. Just keep an eye out and make sure nothing happens, all right? <sighs> Shepard notices something as Hamill gets all upset. Hey, what's that scratch on your face? Excuse me? Those long scratches on your left cheek. What is that? Oh, uh, uh, some of the riggings on my last tune-up snapped and cut me on the cheek. It's a heck of a cut, ain't it, coppers? <laughs> I'm not a cop. And you sound very convincing, Hamill. Hey, it's the truth, I tell you. Now, is that all you want? No. Two more questions. What were you doing for the last 24 hours, and did you arrive before or after Ford? Well, I suppose I went home for the day after work. I, uh, was there all night until this morning when I went in for work. I don't know if I arrived before or after Ford. Why? Because you're a suspect. Can you prove it? No, sir. Although my wife could count for a few hours since we did go to sleep together. And I'm not a murderer. Now, that all. <sighs> for now. All right, be seeing you. Shepard and Stone leave to start walking up the stairs. So, what's your thoughts on Hamill? Oh no, I'm not telling you anything. My money is on the line. You won't be getting anything out of me. My mouth is like a steel trap. That analogy can only work if you didn't open it so much. Huh. Well, the man does seem shady, and I don't think he's from around here. Maybe he's one of those United States people I read about in the paper. What's that, Mr. Steeltrap? Quiet. We got another suspect to question. As long as you have your priorities straight. They arrive at the third rise. Ivanov? Is there a Gavril Ivanov around here? That would be me. We want to ask you some questions. Ivanov just stares at them. You know, about the murder? He continues to stare. Sir? I'm not stopping you. Right. Um... Where were you for the last 24 hours? I left to go to market yesterday after work so I could pick up some potatoes. Then I went home, made dinner, then I slept. Then I woke up, then I came in for work. Then I was told that there was a murder. Now you are here. Is that what you want? Uh, more or less? Can you give us an alibi, though? And did you arrive before or after Ford? I arrived after him. And no, I can't. I live alone. You aren't really the loveliest person, are you? Uh, right. Anyways, what did you think of Mr. Ford and tell us about the promotion? You were nominated for it, weren't you? I don't care for Tim Ford. He always took my work just because he was able to blackmail me. I don't even know how he found out. He threatened to tell the overseer. Then I would be fired and ruined unless I let him take as much hours from me as he wanted while I did all the work. That's why I wasn't able to get the promotion. I was the top of the list, but he won because of his lies. So how are you going to prove yourself to be innocent? I can't without an alibi, can I? I'm not guilty. Besides, I heard he jumped. A suicide, not murder. Well, can I ask you how you got those scratches on your left cheek? I tripped on curb walking to work and scratched my face. It hurts a little. Are we done here? I suppose so. Unless something else comes up. Then I'll continue with my work if you don't mind. Gabriel turns and goes back to work. Stone and Shepard start to walk up the stairs to get to the fourth rise. He was kind of offsetting, don't you think? He was strange. But did you notice how tall he was? At least as tall as you. I'm glad we got that much out of him. He wasn't that forthcoming. True. 
Now we are off to the fourth rise to talk to Esther Rhodes, the last person on the promotion list. Are you ready? Of course. Ready to receive my reward for a win against the amazing private investigator. In your dreams, Shepard. They make it to the fourth rise, and Shepard is a little out of breath. I really hate stairs. Esther Rhodes, we need to question you about the murder of Tim Ford. Over here, police folk. What do you need? I'm not the police. I'm an investigator. We just have a few questions. Where were you for the last 24 hours? And did you arrive before or after Ford? Well, after I went home for the day, I met with a group of my friends to go to the general store to look at the yarn that they had. See, we enjoy knitting. After all, I found the right colour. I retired for the night to do some knitting. And then I slept until I had to be here in the morning. I believe I arrived after Ford. Can you prove that you didn't kill him? That you actually went to the store and straight home? Yes, my friends were with me the whole time. Except for when I was sleeping. That's true. I was with her the whole night and then we walked to work together. And you are? One of her friends, Ethel Parks. So you can attest to her whereabouts? Yes, we did go to the store for yarn with the other ladies. After we got the yarn that we wanted, I walked with Esther to our apartments and we knitted in her apartment for a while until we were tired. And I walked next door to my apartment, then we walked together all the way here. Did you come to her door to walk her, or did she come to you? I went to her. I always do. Well, what can you tell me about Ford and your promotion, Miss Rhodes? I didn't get that promotion. Unfortunately, not thanks to that wretched man. He blackmailed me into giving him my hours, and I had to comply, or, or else. He, he was a terrible man. I lost my chance to earn that promotion. That man had dirt on everyone important in the factory, and for good measure. He was terrible to everybody. We all hated him, but the man just kept on what he did until today, when I suppose someone got fed up with his dastardly deeds. It seems that everyone we have spoke to has been saying that. That's because it's true. Shepard and Stone noticed something on Esther's cheek. Are those scratches on your left cheek, Miss Rhodes? Yes, I was giving some of the stray cats behind my apartment complex some cream, and one of them just lashed out and struck me. Can you believe it? The nerve! Don't they understand what it means to don't bite the hand that feeds you? Well, they are just cats. I suppose. Is that all you needed? Yes. We'll find you if we need anything else. Party hop, mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Later we'll have some pumpkin pie and we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear. Bottles of party rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a happy holiday. Everyone dancing, 
Christmas tree Have a happy holiday Everyone dancing merrily In the new old-fashioned way Merry Christmas and happy holidays From your very happy soap brand Soapy Soap Suds We love the holidays as much as you do And that's why we guarantee That we can remove any stain out of anything stretching our cleaning power to more than just the kitchen floor carpet furniture and kitchen stains will all disappear i love sophie's soap suds it helps my wife in the kitchen and outside of it so my holidays are always sparkling and clean now i don't have to worry about my kids making a mess because sophie's soap suds has my wife's back my kids and I made crafts and food all week and nothing went wrong thanks to Sophie's Soap Suds. That's right, folks. If you want to do the holidays right, use Sophie's Soap Suds. When all other soaps are duds, try Sophie's Soap Suds. Shepard and Stone start to descend the stairs. So, do you know who killed Tim Ford yet? I have a feeling, but I'm not telling you. That would ruin the competition. I still need some more information, though. From what we gathered out of the suspects, any one of them could have been the murderer. Although I think the men are the ones we should focus on. How do you figure? She was shorter than me, Shepard, and pretty old. Do you really think that she could strangle a grown man? You have a point. Let's hope your little helper got anything from his witness. They make it all the way to the bottom of the third rise just as Charlie runs up. Hey, just the person I wanted to see. What did you gather? A lot. Bonnie said that there were two people talking meanly to one another about money. The guy by the railing, probably Mr. Ford Wright, started backing up to the railing as the other guy started getting closer. The bad guy grabbed Mr. Ford's neck and Ford scratched the other guy's cheek. Bonnie said she knew that because she could see blood and then she saw Mr. Ford's left arm go limp as he stopped moving completely. Then the bad guy threw Mr. Ford over the rail to his death. Bonnie said she only saw this happened because she decided to go to the factory early, and that's when she heard the voices. Did you see who it was? No, she ran away right when the guy fell to his death. She did say she was pretty sure it was a tall man who killed Mr. Ford, though. I did a good job, right, Sammy? You did just fine, Charlie, and that's why I'll let that little name slide. But I'm most impressed by both of you, actually. You conducted yourself like a real police chief this time, Shepard. Although I fear it's only because it's a competition. So did you figure out the murderer yet? Um, no. I'm still thinking. Did you? No. So I'm going to go see if Miss Vale has some water. Maybe that'll freshen and jumpstart my brain. Maybe. Charles looks to Stone. Are you really still stumped by the puzzle? Of course not. I know exactly who killed Ford, thanks to you. So why'd you keep it a secret? Because Shepard and I are playing a little game, and I'm going to get the murderer to confess so I can win. Why don't you go and comfort your witness? I'm sure she would love to know that I've solved the case. She can rest easy while I nab the killer. Here we end the third episode of Stone Cold Mysteries with a Challenge, Find the Killer. Were you paying attention? You now have all the tools to solve the murder. Message us on Facebook at 88.5 FM WCUG or Twitter us at Cougar Radio WCUG with the killer, the motive, and the weapon. Tune in next time to hear the solution and to listen to another Stone Cold Mystery.